We'd like to remind you that the information contained within this podcast reflects our own personal opinions and should not be held as any kind of official recommendation. That's right. This podcast is for our own purposes. It's educational and and for entertainment. Mm-hmm. Edutainment, if you will. <laughs> We're just a couple of yahoos with master's degrees, and this isn't a professional capacity. So if as you're listening to an episode, you feel that maybe you need help with your own mental health, please do contact your own doctor or a therapist. And finally, we try to stay pretty clean with this podcast, but sometimes we slip up and sometimes we just talk about weird stuff. So <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) It might be not safe for work. You'd probably better listen with headphones. Hello and welcome to Freudian Sips. The podcast about brains, beverages, and other BS. I'm Bonnie. And I'm Anna. Hello again. (laughs) We're back. We're here. We're back. We're better than ever. I think if you just say that every time, that means there's just always forward progress, right? We always go upward. (laughs) (laughs) We we have to keep going forward. We cannot go backwards. Keep moving up. Fail forward if you have to fail. (laughs) That's a good plan. So how are you, Anna Banana? I'm okay. okay. It's just, I, we just got done with me venting to you about my week. So I think you, you know that it's been kind of a rough time. I know. You should be okay now, though, because yeah, you just great. vented it all and now you're. How are you doing? I'm fine. <laughs> I'm fine. Everything's fine. So usually I'd go in and edit that like silence that you took before answering, make it a little shorter. No, I'm just going to leave it the way it is. Cause, yeah, cause <laughs> because that's the answer. Volumes. <laughs> I understand there's new merchandise in the world that is incredible oh baby would you like to tell us about that today oh i'm so excited to tell you so sipsters we just opened our new merch site (gasps) and it's very appropriate this site that we're using to host is called bonfire oh my gosh so it was like it was made for you mom so okay help me Anna. is this a whole new store it's a yeah. whole new so is the old merch there or is this all new merch we have like a logo shirt which was i would say one of our main yeah. pieces in our right. old store so it's shirts we have a couple different variety of shirts which just are like our nice old freudian sips logo on the front and our tagline on the back and stuff but what i'm really excited about is we have a whole new shirt set our go to therapy shirts are live <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Every counselor and therapist should own one of these shirts. <laughs> and honestly, person. Yeah. <laughs> Every if person you believe, on earth. If you believe in that, in our model that everyone should go to, go therapy, to therapy, you should get one of these shirts so and wear it around. They have a lot of fun colors, some fun designs, and that's all on that bonfire store. And they were like some, do they call them crop tops anymore? They call them belly shirts. I want to be with the with it language I, yeah, of, I don't of know. you youngsters. Um, they're called flowy cropped tees. Oh, well, there you one. go. They're very cute. And like those baseball kind of shirts yeah, with the different color sleeves. Cool ones, which the, mm-hmm. That wasn't an option in our last store. Mm-hmm. These are the, very cool. They are neat. Yeah. I think that might be the one that I get if I... I don't need any more merch for my own podcast, but here I am. <laughs> so sipsters we need you to get some merch from our podcast so go to the store bonfire.com slash store slash Freudian sips pod and I'll update it so if you go on just freudiansipspod.com that our merch link will just go right there there. yeah that's the easiest way to do it absolutely I like easy easy's good (laughs) I'm lazy so I like easy too I know you're not lazy that is not a true statement I want to be lazy (laughs) there I'll accept that I look for ways to allow myself but to be lazy. But as a young woman that you are and having your own counseling business, you are not lazy. I did all that stuff and now I'm done. So now I can be lazy. <laughs> be lazy for the rest of your life. <laughs> the rest of my life. I don't have to do anything. I already like opened my own business and stuff. <laughs> I don't believe that, but okay. All right, so we've plugged the the merch. Go, everyone go look at those shirts and please buy one if you think they are cute and fun. I would get so excited if I would see one of my friends wearing one of our shirts. Oh my God, I would probably wet myself if I saw someone wearing, <laughs> like someone besides someone in my family wearing it. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, because I've definitely come over to your house yeah. and you're wearing it or whatever, but I, I have not wet myself yet. <laughs> not for that reason anyway. <laughs> That's your house. That's not real life. If I saw someone in real life, like it. yeah, you go to the grocery store and you see someone with a Freudian. I, I, I would, would pass out. I would start to cry. 
I would, I would fall be so right excited. into the freezer in the freezer aisle. Yeah, so Sipsters, this is some motivation for you to get a shirt and track us down. <laughs> Especially at the if you're local, store. sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Please don't tell the people. Or take that a picture to to if you get a shirt. <laughs> oh, take a picture awesome. and send it, and then we could send them a bumper sticker. Oh my god, totally. Yeah, we'll send you two bumper stickers. Well, they're just regular One stickers. I guess bumper. you can put them on your car. <laughs> <laughs> they're stickers. They're stickers. And if you put them on a bumper, they're a bumper sticker, <laughs> 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 or they're a laptop sticker. As I look at Anna's laptop, they could be any yeah. kind of sticker. Oh, that is so true. Like if you if you have merch from us, especially the new the new Good Therapy shirts, take a picture of yourself, tag us on social media with it. Love it. Oh my gosh, It'll make our day, make our lives. That's right. Well, with that out of the way, what are we talking about today? One of my favorite things. <laughs> We're talking today about music. A very broad thing. It's broad. <laughs> <laughs> but it is, it's understandable that it's one of your favorite things. It's pretty cool. It is very cool. This might be a hot take, but I think music is cool. <laughs> <laughs> this might be another hot take. A lot of people really like music. Whoa! <laughs> so we're going to talk about music. We're going to tie it together <laughs> with psychology. Mom just became a waving, Ooh. inflatable arm <laughs> man outside of a car sales place. Yeah, we're going to focus, as we do, on the brain. And in this case, kind of how all different types of music, all different ways that we engage with music, how that interacts with our brain and how it can really improve our lives in a lot of really significant ways. That's why you think it's cool. Yeah, that's why it can I do that a lot. Take. And doing research for this topic, oh my goodness, there's so much research out there, like legit research done by hoity McToity psychologists, by people at schools and things, scientists and scientists all that stuff with coats, probably <laughs> white coats and and pen protectors in their yes. pockets. Yes, have done research that shows so many different ways that music is healthy for us, very good, mentally healthy, and even physically healthy for us. That it improves our health. We're gonna focus pretty much on the mental health part of it yeah. for our take. And I think especially a lot of those research studies are, are not about whether or not it's good. I think everyone knows music is good, mm-hmm. but it's like how it's good. We mm-hmm. we really, and there's still a lot we don't know because of course there is. Mm-hmm. As with almost everything in psychology, there's just a lot we don't know. But we are learning more and more about those different ways that music affects us. So can I start with a bit of a disclaimer about music therapy? Or I, that's not the right word, disclaimer, but... We're going to talk about music and how it affects our brain. And we'll probably also be talking at some point about how we can use music in different ways in therapy. Within therapy, yeah. Right. Even as a humanistic therapist myself, I use music sometimes in therapy. But I am not a music therapist. Right. It's very much like art therapy. There are specially licensed art therapists. There are specially licensed music therapists. There are specializations for these things. But Mm -hmm. we can also use the general concepts within therapy. And yeah, it does come up very frequently and naturally, I would say. Exactly. It's pretty organic. Exactly. So if you are specifically looking for someone who specializes in music therapy, that's a genre unto itself. So a genre. A genre. <laughs> if you never have, you should look up on YouTube Alex Trebek saying genre. There's just compilations of the way he says genre. <laughs> He says, genre, genre, genre. He's really French with it. And it's really, really good. Okay, put that in your notes for later, sipsters. Yeah, listen when to you, the rest of the episode. Yeah, listen first. to the rest of this episode. Then look up Alex and how he says, genre. 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 So we are going to talk about different genres of music as well. Indeed. Indeed <laughs> we let's, are. Let's start. Let's think about what made us want to talk about this besides just music being cool. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> I think for us specifically, like we in grad school took a creative arts class mm-hmm. and music was a part of it. We watched this documentary specifically about how music was a really good treatment for people with dementia, Alzheimer's, and how it like connected to their brain, mm-hmm. like in a way that just speaking to them and, and working with them that way couldn't. That's, I, I think, something that like sparked especially... With the psychology stuff, the interest in the music stuff. Right. But also a very topical reference. It's in Stranger Things. The The newest season of Stranger Things has a very heavy emphasis on how music reaches parts of our brain that other things can't. 
and they, they you basically it's it's a part of it's a life-saving technique because i don't want to spoil too much if you haven't seen stranger things but mm-hmm. it's very cool and it connects with us in a way that some other things can't and Anna and I, a couple of weeks ago, went through some topics that we wanted to cover, and this was one of them that came up. And I, I have to tell you that since we decided on doing this topic, I've noticed how often in therapy... It comes up. It comes up. And often it's because I bring it up, to be honest Fair with enough, you. Fair enough, yeah. Like maybe I think I mean, of a, a song... I mean, you are a very musical person. I, much more musical than I am. I've been ways. doing it longer, too. Fair you know, enough. but yeah. Yeah, I... I would say that music is a very, very important part of my life. And that's where I thought you were maybe directing that question about why do we decide to do this? Because for me, music has been a very important part of my life. I've played guitar and sang as I call it a music ministry because Mm -hmm. I usually do mostly it for worship stuff. Yeah. But since I was 15 years old. I didn't even know you started that When I was 15. I learned how to play guitar when I was 12 because that summer my mother said, Bonnie, <laughs> you need to do something. You're going to do something this summer to to improve yourself and to be a better person. Bonnie, I don't know. Mom was on a kick. Your father and I have been talking. Like, we think you're a bum. <laughs> you're 12 and we don't want you to turn into a lazy, lazy girl. And so she said, you get these choices, Anna. You could take tennis lessons. Okay. Golf lessons. Gross. Or guitar lessons. Easy choice. Yeah. <laughs> And maybe Mama knew that. And Mama knew, you know, the chubby girl was probably, probably not. My, ch- my, my really pasty preteen girl. Yeah, because Sipsters, I have to tell you, when I was 12, I was round and white. I mean, I'm still pretty round. I'm still round. round and white, too. I got it from you, yeah. I was even rounder and whiter rounder when and I was 12. Oh, man. In fairness, though, I did end up taking tennis lessons. Oh, fair enough. My brother and I both, we took tennis lessons for like, oh, I don't know. did you know, do doubles? We did and hit each other with our rackets often. And, <laughs> and we were both very pasty and got sunburned every time we did it. Oh, but no. <sighs> swell. Oh, those were the days. <laughs> <laughs> Two very pasty gingers learning how to play tennis. At 12 and 10. And uh, yeah, it was not pleasant. But anyway, back to the music, which is really what changed my life. Because seriously, when I think about it now, so much of my life has involved music. And and being involved in theater and musicals mm-hmm. yeah. has been a big part of my life. Yeah, and, and I mean, as we will learn more when we start talking more about the deeper brain stuff, mm-hmm. learning music, especially to like make music, rewires your brain. Mm-hmm. So especially learning it when you were 12, I mean, the rest of your life, you've looked at it from that lens more. It's really cool, isn't it? Yeah. One of the things that was always stressed when I was younger was, well, you know, when you do that music, you're really exercising the right side of your brain, the artistic mm. side. But what I got so excited about as as I did research about this was how it affects your whole it's brain. Both. It's not yeah. just your your yeah, right side. That, that left side, right side thing is not entirely factual. <laughs> Let's put it that And that's way. a huge, huge part of why music is so powerful that it, it does it encompasses touches, the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, so many parts of our brain. So I'm so excited to talk about the brain part, so please do. Okay, do can we start with brain? I have a little history. It's very brief and just kind of some fun factoids more than anything. Because yeah. pretty much because this is such a big topic, like anything is just kind of dipping our toes in the water. Right. So music has had a lot of different meanings for a lot of different people as we are now. But it's been part of virtually every single culture in some form throughout history. Evolutionary scientists call it a cultural universal. I think humor is another one of those where it's, mm-hmm. it's exactly. just part we of everything. Yeah. And there are several reasons why or several kind of theorized reasons why it's become such a huge part of culture. One idea is it was used for courting. And if we think about, mm. you know, going to dances and stuff, mm-hmm. we know that that's part of our culture now, too. Another theory is that it, it just kind of is a greater form of social cohesion, where like when groups started to get too big, music was a thing that brought people together easier than mm-hmm. like talking and stuff. Mm-hmm. I like this. Uh, a Harvard staffer, Stephen Plinker, calls it auditory cheesecake. That's oh. a happy accident of evolution that tickles the brain a little just right and gives us all the right chemicals. But again, regardless, whatever the reason is, music is part of our culture so much. Mm-hmm. It's played a part in the development of society. I mean, Absolutely. so many things are built around music. Mm-hmm. Everything has a theme song. Oh, God. Holidays have theme songs. Every, everything has theme songs. Yeah. yeah. 
right down to jingle to people have yeah, their own no thing. Thing. <laughs> but i mean all the advertisements everything that you you know every tv oh, show every oh, music movie is everywhere everything. yeah like like music is so pervasive that i think we don't even realize the how national much. anthems the national that we anthem, have when you walk into a store there's music playing oh, yeah, to like yeah, yeah. you know fill the space uh-huh. in that way every show has music underneath it like to the point where it's one of those like if it's done right you don't think about it very much like Mm -hmm. music music stuff for like tvs and movies right so yeah it's just part of everything i love the part that you said about the cohesion i have a very clear memory of going to when your brother was in choir for like the all-state choir or whatever and there's there's hundreds of people in this humongous auditorium many of them very good vocalists because they were there to compete right but i mean everybody from little babies to very old people and and you know probably people from a lot of different cultures because it was in a big city and and there was all these different people together and at one point they sang and i don't remember what the song was even but it was like you are my sunshine that kind of song that everybody knows Mm -hmm. and everybody in the auditorium sang it and you could look around and just see the joy on people's faces because in that moment all those different people who came from all those different places and actually some of them were competing against each other in this competition came together in this moment where there was cohesion's the perfect word yeah and and through that music we all just were like one it's like a greater purpose basically you're all joining together right. for a greater purpose regardless of if you're there to compete so right. it transcends those boundaries in some ways I think that music is very spiritual. Oh, yeah. So that's a whole nother. Yeah, that's a, <laughs> a whole nother thing. But <laughs> there's, sisters, if you can see our table, there's just all these cans of worms. And we're yes. trying to figure out which one to open first. <laughs> that's exactly right. But okay, so the history can's already open. Let's, let's, let's so, finish the can of history so, worms. So yeah, very, very briefly, we have been making music for over 30,000 years. And that's just like the, the stuff that we can find evidence of. Mm-hmm. So like the earliest evidence we found of instruments, we found bone flutes, mm. which are metal that's so metal <laughs> playing my blue bone, my bone <laughs> at first my old people bray when you said that's so metal you're like those are metal, metal. That's that's, i'm like that's not metal <laughs> okay but then um, i got with it i was with it then sometimes it just had to bypass my senior citizen brain <laughs> your boomer brain was like no it's bone yeah. <laughs> that's not metal that's not metal my um, boomer brain. <laughs> I don't know if I hate that more or senior citizen. I think I hate senior citizen more. I'll take okay. boomer. Boomer brain at least has the alliteration that makes it fun. That's true. That's true. It's fun to say. Bonnie's boomer brain. <laughs> So that was those are from like 40,000 years ago. But scholars think that music was around before that, like up to 300,000 years ago is probably when things like started to get more organized. And like think of how easy it is to make like percussion stuff. Uh-huh. You hit on a thing. That's a that's a drum. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that's it. So I mean, you know, we kind of even if they're not making instruments in like those especially early early days you Mm kind of just luck into it man Mm -hmm. but once we developed writing ancient music developed even more and once cultures started to collide with each other there was mixing of music and there was you know there was more contact for trade but music was included in that that we would trade cultural disciplines with music trading Mm -hmm. and they just kind of started to mix and inform each other that way Oh, like you just said, religion, huge part of musical development, especially as we look throughout history, like the Hindu holy books, the Vedas, mm-hmm. have musical notation in them, and those are thousands of years old. Mm-hmm. And that really influenced like Indian classical music, the five classics of Confucianism laid the basis for Chinese music, so there's music included there. Obviously, like especially when you look at the classical music of Western theory, mm-hmm. music from the early Christian church, huge impact. Mm-hmm. I mean, so many like of the Mozart, Bach, and that kind of oh, stuff yeah, yeah. Is, is like hymns, basically. Right. So yeah, that really. Well, and affected... I mean, in the Bible, the Psalms are songs. Ex- yeah, so, exactly. Yeah, there was. There's, there's several books of the Bible. There's, that are songs. there's, there's been music. <laughs> we done had music for a guys. long time, guys. <laughs> long time. Yeah, and so I just think that's so cool that that just like that again, it's one of those kind of like cultural constants and kind of time constants, like. Mm-hmm. Yes, music looked way, way different back then. But even those people back then probably were accessing some of the feelings that we have when we listen to music, too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's a really cool kind of connector in that way. But that's that's basically all I have for history. I just kind of wanted to give like a brief, this has always been a part of us. It's basically. always been cool. It's always been here. <laughs> okay. Okay, do you want to crack into the brain stuff? I do. I want to crack into the brain. 
Sipsters, we have a brain on our table. <laughs> I'm surprised we don't, actually. <laughs> that is really true. We have, have to, to get one of those. Brain plushie or something. A, yeah, we'll have yeah. to work on that. So let's talk about how music gets to the brain first. Let's start there. So music, it's vibrations, right? It's mm-hmm. all just sound vibrating. Vibrating sound, Vibrating yes. the air. Vibrations travel through the air. Tickle the eardrum. Just tickle it. Tickle, tickle, tickle. <laughs> and then it becomes an electrical signal that travels up the auditory Ooh, nerve that's to the brain stem where it becomes, bam, dopamine. <laughs> One of our favorites. Oh, my God. Dopamine. So what is dopamine, Mom? It makes us feel pleasure. <laughs> it makes us happy. It's my favorite. It is like the reward, the pleasure the, principle chemical, basically. The reward chemical. That's the a reward chemical. So we release it when we eat good food, have good sex, do good drugs, all that kind Drive of stuff. Drive my Mustang. Drive your Mustang, oh, baby. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that gives us the reward that we did something good. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> and we feel rewarded when we listen to music. It releases other neurotransmitters as well. It increases serotonin, which elevates the mood. It increases endorphins, which reduce heart rate, lower blood pressure. Endorphins are the things we release when we exercise. So it's basically like pain management, stress management. It just makes us feel better. It can be as a reaction to pain that it releases, but in this case, it's just kind of the stress management part of it it decreases cortisol like stress hormone levels so yeah it just it hits all those neurotransmitters Mm -hmm. it gives us all of them when we're engaging with music with someone we're probably getting oxytocin which is the like connection chemical Ooh, that's a good point. Mm -hmm. I read a little side study that was about how when mothers sing to their babies, and I'm sure daddies do that too, but this Mm -hmm. study was specifically about moms and babies connecting. But they said that the musical part of that was very important. You know, that the oxytocin was happening anyway because the baby's being held or rocked or whatever, Mm -hmm. but that the music adds a dynamic uh, dimension to it that makes the bond even stronger. It was a research like the scientists with like the white coat. Like the scientists coats. with the coat. Yeah, and they had little mommies and babies. And they looked at them and said, hey, they're doing good connecting because they're singing. So well, that makes so much sense. Because yeah. like, I mean, it's like we were talking about with the parts of the brain connecting with each other and all working together where if you're releasing one neurochemical releasing other ones so if oxytocin is already being released and then you add music into the environment and there's releasing the serotonin and dopamine and all that good stuff it's Mm going to just strengthen those connections in the brain too right exactly and that is a good point is it's not just one part of the brain it's so many parts of the brain all working together it kind of goes back to that thinking that it's just left brain right brain dichotomy stuff where it's so much more complicated than that before we had stuff like mris ways to map what's going on in the brain and where it's actually affecting we kind of just had to watch musical people to see how they acted to see like how the brain how the brain reacts to music um there have been some famous composers that have had things happen to their brain that have given us some good information um in 1933 there was a french composer maurice ravel he began to exhibit neural degeneration mm. his conceptual ability stayed so he could still hear and remember his old compositions he could play scales but he couldn't create new music mm. he couldn't write music this is really sad this is very sad he was talking about an opera he wanted to do, do about joan of arc Mm. And he confided to a friend, this opera is here in my head. I hear it, but I will never write it. It's over. I can no longer write my music. Oh. Isn't that sad? That's very sad. But that idea that he could remember his earlier compositions, that yeah. that kind of ties to the patients who have Alzheimer's. Yeah. That, they, that same thing about the early, early memories mm-hmm. and the way it's remembered, the yeah. way music is remembered. Yeah, where it takes you back to that time that right. it's, a very, it's a very strong connector to mm-hmm. your own memories. Mm-hmm. This is kind of the opposite. A Russian composer in 1953 suffered a stroke and could no longer talk or understand speech, but he could write music for 10 years until his death. He couldn't understand speech? He could no longer talk or understand speech. Wow. Uh Uh-huh. So you kind of have to communicate with music then, huh? Wow, that's amazing, though. And then God made the MRI. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Thank you, God, for the MRI. Thanks, God, and all the scientists that helped. (laughs) They were also probably wearing coats. <laughs> they have really cool coats for people that made the MRIs. <laughs> they get the coolest. They get the the like the jock coats, the yeah. like team jerseys. Yeah. Like a Letterman jacket. Yeah, exactly. Letterman white coat. Letterman scientist jacket. <laughs> 
So usually I'm really bad at sourcing things, but I got a lot of this stuff from the University of Central Florida. There's two UCF professors, neuroscientist Kiminobu Sugaya and world-renowned violinist Ayako Yonatani. You did good with those names, girl. Thanks. I, I have them right practice here. a lot. <laughs> I was going to say, I have them right here, and if I would have had to read them, I would have skipped over them. So yeah. <laughs> These two people who shall These remain nameless. <laughs> UCF professors. <laughs> but they're also husband and wife, which I think is very cool. It is very cool. Um, but it totally makes sense that a neuroscientist and a musician would work together to teach a music in the brain course. Mm-hmm. And they've also done lots of research with MRIs, and they use that to see what parts of the brain light up in reaction to music. Um, we talk about MRIs a lot when we talk about research research for psychology because that's one of the things it's we do one of the most tangible ways especially when we're trying to figure out what parts What's of the brain are the brain? involved yeah. yeah so i will link this site in the notes of the show again sourcing i'm very bad at it i'll try to get better but this site has this really really cool interactive brain map so let's talk about the kinds of effects that music is having on the brain mm-hmm. so let's start right up front with your frontal lobe a um, thing that's not really connected till you're at least 25 years at old at least and, and we've talked then. about that a lot on our episodes too yes. But it's it's a huge part of our brain, which is one of the reasons that we're so dumb when we're like in our early 20s and before. No offense, sipsters who are below 25 years old. Listen. We don't really think you're dumb. I was an dumb. idiot before I was 25. <laughs> Just know you're going to get even smarter than you are now. And that's a good way to... We don't a, think you're dumb. Very good reframe. So the frontal lobe involved in thinking, decision making, planning, a lot of that executive function stuff that lives in the frontal lobe extremely valuable kind of what sets us apart from from animals and makes stuff us like human that. that's yeah. right uh, by listening to music it basically enhances those functions so it strengthens the connections that we have in there that are working toward that decision making stuff and that planning stuff mm-hmm. think about you know you hear those psas that say you know kids who take music mm-hmm. do better in school yeah. and they so so that's part of that is all of that development that's right. happening when well, they study music especially when you start as a little kid yeah like exactly it just, just kind of lays a better groundwork if you're mm-hmm. already learning that stuff learning music specifically lays a better groundwork like there's tons of studies that that like kids who are in music programs get better grades overall mm-hmm. so that's right okay sorry go on that's okay yeah, temporal lobe is next, and that's on the side of our brain, um, very close to the ear, and that makes sense because it processes what we hear. So obviously that's going to be used in music. It spans both sides of the brain. So again, that kind of goes back to that left-right mm-hmm. brain thing mm-hmm. where it's not just one side that's hearing those sounds, comprehending the language, basically. So it's like when you're listening to music, the music that has lyrics especially, the left hemisphere is going to take in like the words of it and the lyrics, right. while the right is going to interpret the sounds and the actual music of it. And then you have to link both sides to appreciate it. And that is a thing that kept popping up in my research about how music affects the brain is it's like it's such a complex process that that's one of the reasons it's good for us is it because it engages so many parts of the brain that it's going to strengthen all of those Mm -hmm. okay so there's two little very specific brain parts that i'm going to kind of link together broca's area and wernicke's area So Broca's area is how we produce speech, and Wernicke's area is how we comprehend language, both written and spoken. So yeah. So they're like buddy parts. They They are buddy parts. They're kind of, and they're very close in the brain. They're like holding hands. They're all tiny together. They are. They're very small, and they're on the inside. So obviously these parts are going to be very instrumental. (laughs) Ah. In, uh, in creating music like Broca's area is going to allow us to express music mm-hmm. especially um, Yonatani was talking about how playing an instrument may improve your ability to communicate because it strengthens this area mm, that's cool okay so then we hop back to the back of the brain the occipital lobe oh I thought this part was really cool yeah so this is what we see mm-hmm. um, it, it processes what we actually see and professional musicians are going to use this much more than people just listening to music because right. they have to obviously read it 
So it talks about like people who are just listening to music will use the temporal lobe for like the listening part and the right. auditory and the language center and all that stuff. But professional musicians have to visualize a music score even when they're listening to right, music. Right, that's, that's the part that I think is so cool that this research says not only like if, if a musician was sitting down to play a piece and they were reading the music, right. which obviously would have to use the occipital lobe because mm-hmm. they're looking at it, but that even when they're listening, and we're talking about musicians who are very into yes, that. Yes, so who are like professional Right, so the so the woman who's yeah. doing this this Yonatani. chorus, yeah, <laughs> yeah, she she would say, you know, that when she hears a music piece, that she kind of pictures it as sheet music, kind of almost, yeah. you know. I have to say, I was friends with a lot of arts people when I was in college, mm-hmm. and many of them were like music majors, and it was always just really fascinating to watch them engage with music visually, if mm-hmm. that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Like even when they would be listening to music, they would kind of be doing that, the like moving their hands with like it and stuff like that, the conducting yeah, and stuff, yeah, 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 too, and like the the just kind of like plotting where the notes are, and it, so mm-hmm. it's very interesting to watch people like how differently they engage with it basically all right next also in the back of our brains there's a cerebellum so that's like under the occipital lobe like at the back kind of like right at the base of your skull that's kind of where the cerebellum is and the cerebellum is responsible for movement and stores physical memory and here we go back to the idea of the Alzheimer's patients and how music affects them, where even if an Alzheimer's patient isn't going to remember like the people around them, if he sat down at a piano and he had learned to play it when he was young, he could probably still play it. Right. Because that has become muscle memory. Those don't really fade. They just kind of stay there. It's that like... It's like riding a bike. That, right, that, right, that right. Saying. Exactly. That's a good example. That physical memory gets stored, especially when you actually play music. Mm-hmm. Like those things become part of your physical memory. Mm-hmm. Next is the littlest brain part in the whole world. But it <laughs> the, does good stuff. The nucleus accumbens is so small. And he's on the inside of the brain. It seeks pleasure. It seeks reward. It plays a big role in addiction. Why? Because it releases what? Dopamine! (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So they even talk about how music can be a very addictive drug. Absolutely. It's acting the same parts of our brain that illegal drugs work. I I saw cocaine mentioned several times specifically. (laughs) I guess that's the most illegal drug of all. when we talked about at some point in some episode about sex being addictive Mm -hmm. because it releases all those endorphins. And so this is kind of that same thing that you can get that high feeling listening to music and that it can become addictive and that it feels so good. Mm -hmm. But being addicted to music, pretty okay. That's good for you. (laughs) (laughs) It's probably going to make your life way better actually right, we're not gonna put you uh, in a rehab very unlike for- cocaine it will improve <laughs> your life right, exactly <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the nucleus accumbens is what is secreting the dopamine. It's releasing it. Secreting. Yeah, that's I hate a good that. Word. I hate that word, but I didn't. <laughs> you know, when you're like looking for a synonym, yeah, you you're like, oh, it's the only one I know. <laughs> you could have been grosser, so we're all right. All right. Another very tiny brain part, but that holds a so big old punch. important. We talk about it all the time. Oh, man. It's kind of lower in your brain, but also very much on the inside. The amygdala. The amygdala is what processes and triggers emotions in us. So we on this show have talked about the amygdala so much, especially Mm -hmm. in relation to trauma. Mm -hmm. And it talks about like how music can control your fear, um, make you ready to fight, increase pleasure. So think about when you're watching like a scary movie and they've got those like strings in the background, Mm -hmm. those like tense strings. And your heart beats racing along with Mm -hmm. those like tight strings, you know? Mm -hmm. So music, again, it's kind of one of those things that we don't even realize how music and sound design and stuff affect us because it's tapping right into our amygdala. It's activating those fear responses. Mm Mm-hmm. But amygdala processing emotion is more than just fear. It's it's good emotion too. Music mm. connects with us on such an emotional level. And that is because it is accessing the amygdala. Mm-hmm. There's a phrase in that that says, music can control your fear. It makes me think about those times when, I don't know, Sipsters, if you've ever done this, but I have done this even as an adult, that when I was afraid, I would sing a song, oh, like yeah. a praise song. Yeah. 
I remember very clearly when I was a teenager and I had to park my car down over the hill by the woods when I would come home from work at night and I would have to park down in this dark barn, the bottom of the hill where the woods were. And I would come out and I would have to walk up like about a half a block up to the house, you know, and and I would sing like church songs really, you know, because I didn't call them praise songs back then. They were just church songs. But man, I would be like belting those church songs, running up that hill, trying to keep the boogeyman away from me. You know? It's good. Your family always knew when you were coming. I know. <laughs> oh, there Bonnie comes song. Bonnie. <laughs> Shouting hymns again. But that, she that music definitely helped me to feel brave, you know, mm-hmm. to, to calm my fear. So there's probably several things going on there, but we'll just say it was the music that was helping. So I've seen a, a post online that was like, if you're like in the dark at night and you're worried about like there's demons under the bed or whatever, just mm-hmm. play really dumb stuff. <laughs> like the, the ghosts can't kill you if the vibes aren't right. <laughs> Play banana phone. Do it. (laughs) That's good. (laughs) The next part kind of wraps around the amygdala and then travels out like a little comet tail is the hippocampus. Also kind of regulates emotional responses. It also produces and retrieves memories. It's big in in memory making. It's kind of considered the central processing unit of the brain. It's kind of one of the first to be affected by Alzheimer's. So as we're talking about how the music and the Alzheimer's work together, Mm -hmm. that is accessing that part of the brain is very important because once that starts to degenerate, it leads to that confusion and the memory loss. But music increases the neurogenesis in the hippocampus, which neurogenesis just means making new neurons. And we've talked about that too on different episodes how yeah. cool that is that our brain can build new literally rebuild yeah like physically rebuild. isn't that awesome and and that's what it, the neurogenesis music, i like that word it is a cool word too yeah but music actually like enhances the ability to do that mm-hmm. in the brain next part again kind of like wraps around the other the hippocampus it's again. all wrapped around it, they're in all there. it's all a little in twisty tied on the meat. inside yeah <laughs> whatever was that what all the sacks of meats are wrapped so, around each other <laughs> in a big sack of meat <laughs> it's like um you know when a clown makes a balloon animal oh yeah twist it it's all like that with sacks yeah. of meat and that's your brain that's how god made brains <laughs> <laughs> he was doing some god balloon art ran into like <laughs> where the angels were having a party and it was like guys look what i can do <laughs> i need a brain somebody give me a balloon somebody give me some meat <laughs> And he like finished it and he's like, ta-da. And then there's like neuro, like electrical firing. And they're like, you did something here, God. Pretty cool. It looks gross, but I'm sure it works fine. <laughs> it's disgusting looking awful. Not your body of God. God but Put it on the inside of <laughs> yeah. that. Cover that up with something. Lots of skin and hair, please. Put, the, put bones around it and skin and hair. Just lots. Just so much. Just cover it up. <laughs> what were we talking about? The hypothalamus. Yes. So the hypothalamus links um, the endocrine system with the nervous system. So it it really manages our baseline functions. Mm -hmm. So it it releases hormones and chemicals that regulate thirst, appetite, sleep, our mood, our heart rate, our metabolism, like those really base functions that are totally unconscious that we don't really have any control over. Mm -hmm. But again, like talking about the the releasing of cortisol or reduction of cortisol, that's the stress one. Right, reduction. Reducing cortisol, the doing endorphins that stuff all regulates heart rate and blood pressure and all that stuff so it has to link into the hypothalamus to Mm -hmm. do that that's right and then the corpus callosum this is what lets the left and right hemispheres talk to each other so hello right hemisphere how are you today (laughs) i'm fine left hemisphere how are you have you made any art no have you done any (laughs) math problems no fine we'll check in later (laughs) how about if we work together on this song whoa (laughs) yeah that's how it is that happens in the corpus callosum it's like a conference room where that's happening all the time But it allows um, coordinated body movements as well as... um, Corpus. That's what the corpus is about. Oh. I was trying to figure out corpus. Why is it corpus? Yeah, the body. Yeah. When I hear corpus, I think of a dead body, but Mm -hmm. that's not true. It's just body. We are corpuses. We have a corpus. All of them. I am a corpus. (laughs) I am a corpus. Yeah, I'm not a corpus, but I'm a corpus. I am a brain inside a corpus. (laughs) (laughs) And as a musician, having the right and left side of the brain talk is extremely important. Just having that coordination, especially when it comes to like the act of creating music, you kind of have to coordinate that even more. So when a pianist sits at a piano, they have to translate the musical score that they're looking at 
which again kind of goes back to those language processing centers and they have to make their fingers hit the keys at the right time so again it kind of like links to the body movement thing they have to coordinate their entire body when we dance most of us have to coordinate most of our body i think that's why you have to do one more oh i have to do the pudaman (laughs) i don't know how to pronounce it i linked this to gabe and he was like I've never heard of that. Did they add a new brain part? I had never heard of it either. And that's why I don't know. I have no idea how to pronounce it. (laughs) Okay. I mean, I would assume it's Putaman, but maybe it's Putaman. Well, that's okay. So the next part, the last one. Gabe's a nurse, so he should know these parts. I know. That's what I said. I was like, they're not in your textbooks. So maybe this is like Pluto. Maybe it is new. Maybe the Putaman is the Pluto of the body's brain. (laughs) Pluto (laughs) men. So it's spelled P-U-T-A-M-E-N. Uh-huh. Putaman. 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 That's how we're going to put them in. Put them in. Put them in. Put them in. I don't know. But it's apparently. I say apparently because I literally have never heard of this brain part before now. It processes rhythm. It regulates body movement and coordination. So yeah, that's going to be really important in the when dancing. When you're dancing on the when ceiling. When you're shimmying around. Dancing on the ceiling. This yeah. is another part that gets a hit of dopamine with the music. Listening to the music, it says, increases our response to rhythm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes sense. So again, it can kind of be used for that degenerative stuff. Like in this case, Parkinson's like rhythmic music has been used to help Parkinson's patients function in terms of like getting up and sitting down and even walking because amazing yeah it can like re-regulate the coordination part to go with the beat like a dance but think about sipsters how when you hear a song almost any kind of music and you kind of start to just sway a little or you start to tap your foot without even thinking about it or tap your finger on the on the table or Mm -hmm. nod your head a little bit you know, we don't, that's not really a conscious decision sometimes. It just, yeah. it just kicks into our brain. And the Pudaman <laughs> makes us dance even when we don't know it. Is that why as a past marching band person, when I hear music, I'll like start to like do your march, do the march on the beat. Mm-hmm. That probably goes back to the cerebellum. I was going to say that's the your physical, physical muscle, memory. your muscle memory. Mm-hmm. Very yeah. much so. So that's God, so much brain stuff good brain stuff it is good brain stuff but that's man i've talked for so long talk about something well let's just go back for a minute to touch on a couple of the the research that's well then how are we going to use music Mm -hmm. we talked about how you know there are music therapists who specialize in that but you touched on the alzheimer's thing and so i wanted to kind of go back to that for just a minute you you were talking about the documentary that we watched i think it was alive inside that sounds right alive inside Um, very good uh if you if you have never seen that sipsters look it up because it is really interesting to watch it. A study that was published in September of 2017 in the American Journal of Geriatric Psychiatry found that nursing homes that were using uh, this technique that they talk about in that documentary, they call the technique music and memory, which is pretty self-explanatory, that they saw significant improvements in the behavior because people who have dementia sometimes get pretty feisty, Mm -hmm. you know. so it you're confused or upset. So it showed a notable decline in the amount of anxiety that they had and so they actually with more and more use of this program called music and memory they were able to cut back on the meds because one of the situations unfortunately that happen with elderly people who have dementia or alzheimer's is they become over medicated because the staff can't control the behaviors yeah. that are going on and so they medicate them i mean that's a very sad truth that happens in our world but they have found that with the use of of music that it has helped to calm them down and they have found specifically that if they use music that was important to those people in their youth yeah. and that goes back to the what part of your brain the back here whatever would be that you learned at a young age uh, the things that you learned at a young age stay with you that that would probably be maybe tied to that memory. yeah 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 oh it's probably the hippocampus right yeah maybe that's it because that, that produces and retrieves memories mm-hmm. there was one doctor who was quoted in the study that i was reading dr norman foster dr norman foster <laughs> published <laughs> some of his research i don't know if you have to say in it like. <laughs> 20, that's the way i have to say it in 2019 so not that long ago in oh. the journal of prevention of alzheimer's disease and he did a lot of study with the mri like anna was talking about to scan the brains of people who had alzheimer's as they listened to 
personally meaningful music. So music from their youth, music that would have meant something to them. And the scans revealed that the experience caused different regions of the brain to communicate. So as an Alzheimer's patient, if I was listening to some music I was not familiar with, mm-hmm. it wouldn't hit it the would, same. It would do something, but it wouldn't light up the same parts. Yeah, it would probably know? still do the like anxiety and like pain right yeah calm exactly but when you when it was meaningful music it included the visual network and that kind of goes to what you were talking about with the Mm -hmm. occipital also the executive network so that front front mm -hmm. the front and it it lit up areas that were not lit up in other subjects so that's really cool i think there were a couple other just studies that i thought that i would mention there was you know we sometimes hear (laughs) this really rang true for me because sometimes when i have clients who are depressed my first instinct is to tell them to listen to some happy music, you know, Mm -hmm. listen to something that's going to cheer you up. Right. And there have been studies and there are are lots of studies that could be quoted that would say that listening to upbeat music, you know, picks up your spirits and makes you feel happier. But there are also studies that have been done. And this is interesting because I've had clients tell me this, that they like to listen to sad music. When they break up with somebody, they want to listen to breakup music or, Mm -hmm. you know, when they feel like nobody loves them, they listen to nobody loves me. Well, but I think that's that universality thing. That's exactly it. Okay. Very good. Sorry, I stole your punchline. <laughs> and that's and that's what the studies have shown that actually it does help them feel better because they feel like I'm not alone. S- somebody understands right. me, and 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 so like oh, this they're going through the same thing. Right. I know exactly. just what they mean. So just. I'll never be able to say these names, but just so you know, there are actually these people who studied this. Sarah Calio and Urkaila in 2007 did a study that showed that people who were sad and listened to sad music, afterwards their mood was measurably improved. It says it showed in both qualitative and quantitative studies, uh, the participants were 15 to 25 years old, and they used music to immerse like into sadness. Um, as a process that they would be able to feel better afterwards because they were understood. So it's that universality thing. Interesting, though, the older the people were, the less likely that was to help. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? It so, is interesting. So maybe I don't by, think it's surprising. <laughs> maybe, maybe as you get older, you realize you're not the only one feeling heartbreak. Right. Because you've been there and you've done that and you know this is a universal thing. Yeah, I think especially like when you're a teenager and stuff, you kind of need more reminding of that. Right. Because teenage brains are very good at being like, the world doesn't understand me. <laughs> that's very true. And maybe that's why I, as a boomer, as you would call me, am more likely to, my first go-to is, I'm sad. I'm going to listen to some happy music. Right. I'm going to pump you know, myself up. I'm going to listen to something that's going to make me feel better. The other kind of studies that we sometimes hear about are based in the ideas of, well, what about like violent music or angry music, yeah. music that has angry messages? And there are a lot of studies out there about that too. Unfortunately, just like a lot of times when we quote uh, research, there's like, this one says this, and then yeah. this one says the total opposite. And so there are studies that say that when people listen to, as they call it in the study, angry music, uh, but that's specifically... It's not so much the words they're talking about in this study. It's more like the like heavy metal, like heavy metal, yeah, and especially scream, screamo, screamo uh, was one of them that they talked about in the studies they did. That it did show that it caused people to feel more aggressive. However, this is really interesting. The study that that I was reading said a person who really likes screamo music, like they enjoy that genre, genre, genre. they are much less likely to be aggressive after listening to it than someone who doesn't like the music. And so then the footnote on the study said, so we're not real sure if it actually made the person more aggressive or if they were just aggressive because they didn't like listening to the music. <laughs> so, that's so they basically negated their own test. Honestly, you know? especially with like screamo and stuff, I wouldn't be surprised if it's more like the brain isn't registering it as music oh. like the brains of the people who enjoy the genre are. Oh. Like, it's just somebody I mean? screaming It's just at someone me. yelling at me. Yeah. Yeah. Stop stop. <laughs> That's why it stresses me. me out. Yeah. <laughs> but for someone, it's it's much like why I don't enjoy rap, but I think that's just because it makes my brain work too hard uh-huh. to like oh, understand what's happening. To, yeah. 
But, like, one thing I saw did say, like, when it was talking about the different musical genres and whether they kind of impact us differently, uh, I really liked this. It said, heavy metal elicits a sense of identity and a knack for community development, which is kind of cool. It's kind of that, like, outsiders joining together yeah, kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. And then rap stimulates emotion, language motivation, motor function, and processing via the flow state. So basically, like, when you're listening to rap and you're, you, like, catch the flow state of the song and then you can, like, understand the lyrics and stuff like that Uh like it it stimulates that like language parts of our brain wow yeah because i have to say i enjoy the beat of Mm -hmm. rap music i really do enjoy the beat Mm -hmm. but like you i don't want to work so hard to try to understand what they're (laughs) saying yeah so i kind of just check out of it right i I don't i'm not trying to listen to the lyrics which i mean like i know a lot of people do enjoy music without necessarily having to love the lyrics but right right. but I, i i think that especially when it's rap it's almost like spoken word poetry and it's like well i feel like this is important stuff that i'm missing here. exactly exactly <laughs> just to kind of add one more note to that negative side of it a study in 2006 by fisher and greitmeyer it says the potential of music to affect the mood cognition and behavior has been demonstrated in this study on the negative side of things it shows that men who were exposed to music with misogynistic lyrics displayed higher levels of aggressive behavior than those who were exposed to what they called neutral music, especially when the aggressive behavior was directed at a female. Hmm. Men also recalled more negative attributes of women after exposure to that misogynistic music. Well, so I those, can understand yeah, that. Yeah. But on the other side of that, when music contained, as they quote, men hating lyrics, <laughs> women also recalled more negative than positive attributes about well, men. Sure. So, Dal, you're listening to a song about how yeah. a guy is really a jerk. Studies show that when yeah. people listen to Happy Birthday, it's usually their birthday. <laughs> Study show. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, so, I, I, okay. So it's common sense stuff. Yes, but also I think it's that social cohesion stuff. Because, mm. again, it's like trying to link yourself to the music and the other people that are listening to it with you. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's that's funny. <laughs> that's a, that 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 was a thing that people in the coats had to do. Yeah. Oh, that the people in the coats did all kinds of studies about different kinds of music mm-hmm. too. Do you have anything about the Mozart effect? Yeah. Just that there is a theory called the Mozart effect, which uh, researchers say that using classical music can help people to perform their tasks more efficiently. They've proven it by giving them tasks like puzzles and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Oh, also 12% of students in this research did better on their exams when they had classical music Mm. playing. But it reminds me of when I was when I was pregnant with you, there was this big thing. I remember it being especially like at babies. Yeah. Play Mozart for babies. Play the classical music for your babies in the womb, even, you know. Mm -hmm. And when I was pregnant with you, I worked at a Christian radio station and where you were in my body... Under the desk, there were two big speakers. <laughs> and I used to think sometimes, because you would get like four hours of uh, wow. what I thought was good Christian music, you know, playing right at your <laughs> little body. Aimed right yeah. at my forming <laughs> like, body. Yeah. It's like, t- you get this whether you like it or not, baby. <laughs> the amniotic <laughs> fluid is just like vibrating <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> violently. So you should be really very musical. Do you have something else about the Mozart? Um, actually, interestingly, I kind of saw that it had been debunked a little bit. Oh, really? Well, because so the Mozart effect, I guess, in my mind, that could just be like cultural consciousness stuff is like that classical music makes you smarter. Oh, but that's not necessarily true. It might stimulate parts of the brain that encourage the learning and stuff. Right. But it's not like that means it's better as a genre. Right. Yes. That in the moment while you're listening to classical music, it lubes up the brain so that you can do those tasks better. Gross. Which, yeah. Technically, that that's true because yeah. of what you just talked about, all yes. that stuff that goes on. Absolutely. It's just a weird way to say it. I, you just don't like the lube word? I just don't like that. <laughs> Secrete and lube. I know. I put words. them on the same level. <laughs> But think about it, Sipsters. Think about like when you're sitting in a movie, like Anna said before, and you hear that music and the music changes and you're like, oh, crap. Somebody's going to get it, you know. (laughs) Oh, someone's coming. But also there was a whole big thing I read about a study about video games and how the designers of video games actually get the music to help make the game more playable. Absolutely. Like uh, when you're studying, if you are a person who studies or if you're just doing like an intensive task of any kind... 
So the things that I read said, like listening to pop or rock or something before you start, like something upbeat can mm-hmm. kind of pump you up, can fire you up to do whatever you're going to do. But once you actually have to do the task, do something intensive that takes more more thought, then switching to something more chill like jazz or classical can be better. Or like one of the hundred, there's so many on YouTube, these channels that are like lo-fi beats to study to, that like chill kind of synth music that doesn't have lyrics usually. Like 50 to 80 beats per is that kind of the the, the that's the where the alpha your alpha brain waves oh kick yeah in. That makes when sense. you listen to music that's 50 to 80 beats mm-hmm. the only song that they listed that i knew was mirrors is there like a mm, one of those young men singers do a song something about mirrors okay and adele does a lot of 50 to 80 oh beats. sure you know, you know kind of it's music. more chill that yeah, more chill yeah. but especially video game soundtracks are built to increase focus so mm. if you have a hard time studying or something and, and you're the music that you're listening to isn't working look up video game soundtracks because they are specifically made to like increase your engagement and focus mm-hmm. it's really cool and kind of the bottom line when we're talking about all this genre stuff the best genre for you to listen to is the genre that you like. <laughs> That's right. That's exactly right. Like that is the study after study has shown that the type of genre that affects your brain the most is the That's kind you, you like. prefer. That's yes. exactly right. Isn't that cool? Love Just that. that part's cool. Yeah. So you can safely be like, oh, I have the best taste in music. Because you do for your for brain. Your brain. <laughs> and that, that reminds me of what we always tell our clients that we're all wired differently. We Our yeah. brains all work differently. So yeah, so I could sit here and, and feel guilty because I don't like classical music that much. So I really don't listen to it very often so i but man when i <laughs> like, play my 80s jam i yes. can paint until i dropped it <laughs> like know? even I as can, you were saying like yeah it's probably better to listen to classical when you're like doing a test or something i'm like oh don't make don't me listen to that. that i don't wanna <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> i want my alt and my indie music oh leave, leave me alone i don't want to be smart i just want to jam so i uh, yeah i think that's a great note Anna. Just a couple little notes about like very specific things that music can be used for. Mm-hmm. First of all, obviously we need to make a note about this, depression and anxiety and those kind of things. Um, especially it said combined with the usual treatments like antidepressants, psychotherapy, and cognitive behavioral stuff, like music as a treatment for depression is really, really effective. Mm-hmm. Relatedly, music therapy specifically, and we're not going to talk much about music therapy today, but specifically using music as part of the therapy can be really good for reducing obsessive thoughts like in depression, but also in anxiety, in obsessive compulsive disorder, uh, that kind of stuff. I don't know about you, but I, I have used music as like a part of a safety plan several times for clients when I make that with them. Mm-hmm. So like, okay, if you start to feel those like intrusive thoughts, what are you going to do? And usually one of the top ideas is listen to my music. Espe- yeah, especially with adolescents and yes, younger adults. absolutely. Yeah. For insomnia, using white noise or music to fall asleep can be a little more accessible than using like meds to manage that for some people. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people like that. Like, you, do you use the white noise machines? I still? use white noise, yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like that helps you sleep better? Oh, I can't sleep without it. Oh, <laughs> well, really, then yes. <laughs> I mean, I know I could eventually, but when I lay down in bed, if it's not on, I'm like, oh, I got to get up and turn and that on. It's just not right. Without and this it. is weird. Sometimes I hear music in the white noise. Oh, that is kind of creepy. It's creepy, but I think it's what my brain fills well, that space with. Yeah, it's kind of like. Um, like, I mean, I can literally hear the music. It's like the auditory version of pareidolia, where you like see faces and things that aren't faces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like our brain. That fills in the spaces yeah our brain searches Mm -hmm. for patterns that's like one of the things our brains do best so isn't that cool that is so cool (laughs) but yeah searching for like musical patterns that make sense is a way that your brains i think honestly i I do kind of believe in ghosts but whenever i watch those ghost shows and it has like the evps Mm -hmm. i'm like that's not in there bud that's just yeah, they your play brain. it and they say what they're saying and so yeah. then you listen you're like help me hear. mommy and yeah. you're like no <laughs> i heard <laughs> yes exactly yeah totally but then the more you listen to it and they tell you they're saying help me mommy it's like okay now i hear it oh you know? well there it is yeah because yeah, your brain there. connects yeah exactly okay. your brain makes the pattern <laughs> yeah. if it's being suggested yeah. we're not saying there are no ghosts we're just saying Seems we're not so sometimes sure those yeah. evps are a little sketch <laughs> those shows might be pushing something that might not be true <laughs> it's also used 
for pain management. Um, so literally to cope with physical pain, um, using music can give us like the good endorphins like we were talking about, those good neurotransmitters, especially it said for use in labor and childbirth to manage pain and reduce anxiety mm-hmm. for those in labor. And also paired with standard like post-operating care. What's your deal? <laughs> That's one of the things. I don't know if they still do that. But when I was preparing for childbirth, you know, they said, you know, have your music. And that's your music. That's your birth music, you know. And I, <laughs> I sorry, bad memory. <laughs> no, okay. Because I had, you know, certain songs. Like I had made a mixtape. A birth, <laughs> birth mixtape. <laughs> which was all like my praise music, you know. And <laughs> it wasn't there. <laughs> I said, help. Can, can, I have my, can I have my music? Can I have my music? <laughs> and your father was like, oops. <laughs> oh, so, no. And then this is the best part. He said, should I run home and get it? <laughs> and I said, no, thank you. <laughs> sing, sing, damn it. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, you're the music now, bud. Hope you're short up on your praise music. <laughs> Sorry. But no, I do think that they do use that a lot in birthing situations because you can focus. That goes back to the same thing as stopping your ruminating thought. Yeah. Because it it takes your brain in another direction. Exactly. It, yeah. it, it doesn't allow the space that right. those thoughts need to take hold sometimes. Exactly. Which is kind of how it's used in Stranger Things, actually. Mm. It's it's like... That's a teaser for a those of us who haven't seen haven't, it yet. It's, it's, very, it's very interesting. It's very a lot. It's like full-on horror movies in the, the latest season, so... <laughs> It's a lot, but it's very cool. Everything's cool for you today, Anna. It's kind of cool. It's cool. You vibing today. You know what? Sometimes things just need to be cool, and we don't need to think about things so hard. Amen. (laughs) Sometimes we just need to be cool. Everybody be cool. Everybody just cool off, okay? Uh, For post-operating care, especially for pain management too, like after surgery, it can do the like lowering pain levels, lowering heart rate, lowering blood pressure, and especially for cancer. So that pain management thing can be very important for people undergoing treatment or or after treatment, like in remission even. But it's also a way to care for, like you said, spiritual and emotional well-being. Like that's a huge part of cancer. I don't Mm -hmm. don't know if it's more than other diagnoses, but I think we think about it as being much heavier of a diagnosis. So it can be very helpful on that side too to just manage that stuff um, and reducing kind of depression anxiety during and after treatment and like I said kind of treating that continuing trauma after remission too Mm -hmm. man it's it's good for pretty much everything it is like there was one thing that had a list of things it was good for it was ginormous I was thinking one of the things that crossed my mind uh, about brain stuff is you know as a teacher we used to sing everything. You know, you'd have a song about everything you had to memorize. You had a song about the states. You had mm-hmm. a song about the presidents. How, how long had to wash song. your hands. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, that idea of using music to help you learn mm-hmm. is another thing that we, like you said, music is everywhere. Yeah. I wouldn't have it any other way. No. Music. It's cool. <laughs> that's that's, a lot. that's, that's why Anna's hot take. <laughs> music is cool so do you have anything else that's kind of all okay. i've got that's all you got that that was a lot anna it seemed that's like all a lot. you got you yeah. talked about the whole freaking I mean, brain that was a pretty big deal okay yeah i guess let's that's, move so to the rest of the body <laughs> <laughs> talk about how music affects your ankles guys oh, we can dance too <laughs> I, I would just, on a personal note, I think one of the ways that I use it in therapy is to encourage clients to have, like like you said, a go-to song in the safety plan. Mm-hmm. And I even, with my clients, call it a theme song. Yeah. Like, find your theme song. And when you're down or when you feel like you can't go any further or, you know, somebody pisses you off or you mm-hmm. get sad or whatever, or even if you've had a good day, because if you've had a good day and then you, you play that music, it. it gets even better. Yeah. You know? It strengthens so, those positive connections. Exactly. So pick one or two or three or ten songs, but especially one. See, that's like my your problem. Song. Is like you can't I like just, too many. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. can't. And uh, again, I keep going back to the Stranger Things example, but they do use like one song for the character that needs it as like a kind of, I'll call it like a grounding thing as like a shorthand, mm-hmm. supernatural grounding. <laughs> but like it's uh, it's Running Up That Hill by Kate Bush. It's like an older song. Mm-hmm. It's from the 80s. Yeah, yeah. Running up that road. <laughs> running up that hill that one yeah that (laughs) sounds just like it thank you i'm actually kate bush it's been me all along but like that's what there's the scene where they're like what's your favorite song what's your favorite song and i don't know if i could pick my favorite song oh i i know i couldn't (laughs) so that's really tough and there are different phases in your life too when different songs are your favorite songs. right so 
because I was thinking about one of the hardest times in my life that I lived through. My song that I would always play was that, uh, I think it was even maybe earlier than the 80s, that Nobody's Gonna Break My Stride, that song. Nobody's Gonna Break My Stride. Oh my God, you're that person too. (laughs) Yeah, I'm all of them. (laughs) But I used to listen to that over and over and over again because it was like, nobody's going to stop me, you know? And there have been a couple of those songs Mm, recently too. I guess if I had to pick one of those, I would say The Middle by Jimmy Eat World. It just takes some time, little girl in the middle of the ride. That one, yeah. Yeah. And it plays on like my favorite like radio station like a lot. So it's always kind of a... That's my song uh-huh. kind of moment. So maybe that. There's been several like that are just, they just hit home yeah. for what you're going through. And then, so Sipsters, I encourage you to find a song for now, this stage in your life that's your theme song right now mm-hmm. and play it and enjoy it and let it lift you up and, and breathe it and live it. And soak let it, it fill every part of your brain because it will, whether you like it or not. Absolutely that. Yeah. 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 There there are most days when my brain decides what my favorite song is because it's going to play a lot <laughs> in my mind. Exactly. All right. Can I thank the Sipsters now? Uh, you want to add something? Yeah. <laughs> thank you, Sipsters. <laughs> That's it. That's all I get. That's to all I'm going to give you today. <laughs> I would like to sing to you now. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> to round up this. We just really appreciate you, Sipsters. We thank you for being here. And we encourage you. I'd like to encourage you to check out some of that merch because Anna showed me right before we started recording. And I got so excited. <laughs> She's like, I'm going to buy that. I'm, I'm going to go that. home and buy a whole bunch of it. So <laughs> please do uh, take a look at the merch and check out those cool shirts. And find a song that you love and play it and enjoy it. And know that it's a gift. Music is a gift. Absolutely. That is such a huge tool. Even our theme song for managing oh, is a gift. So eventually theme, get to that. Our okay. theme song is a gift from Kevin McLeod. Yeah. But it doesn't sound like this yet. Because <laughs> not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Hold on, Kevin. Hold on. Hold he's on. here. Oh, he's, he's here in the studio every time at the end. He plays it live. He's in my part. <laughs> um, so no but yeah thank you so much for listening um please do go check out our merch store um if you go to feridiansipspod.com it's if you click the merch link that's the easiest way to get there um otherwise you can find us on all the social media twitter instagram facebook we're feridiansipspod on everything um and if you want to email us directly you can feridiansipspod at gmail.com and please remember to leave us a nice rating interview if you can do that wherever you're listening and we will read it and be very 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 heartwarmed Okay, now our theme music is Sweeter Removed by Kevin McLeod, and it sounds like this.